listening to Draws in Spanish. I'm your host, Fabiola Lera. I'm an illustrator and podcaster based in Philadelphia. And on this show, I chat with Latinx visual artists and designers to discuss everything from their identity and culture to their creative process and work. Today, I'm chatting with Mexican-American illustrator and self-proclaimed part-time artist, Marlene Vega. Marlene actually has a master's degree in physics, but found her way back to art after graduation. She started off painting watercolor pieces just three years ago as a hobby and now has an amazing online shop and over 95,000 Instagram followers. But she actually has over 180,000 followers if you include her TikTok and her YouTube channel. She shares her artistic career online while having a day job and she's the perfect inspiration for anyone who is just starting out or feeling a little stuck in their career right now. Before we get started, remember that you can also watch this episode over on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Fabiolita Draws to watch this episode. Plus, remember that you can join the free Draws in Spanish Discord to connect with other Latinx artists. I'll leave the link in the show notes. All right, keep on listening to hear us talk about why she decided not to go to art school, how she got comfortable making video content as an introvert, and how she deals with the feeling of being, quote, behind. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Hi, Marlene. Welcome to Draws in Spanish. Thank you for being here. Um, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Thank you for having me. Such an honor. I am so excited. Just so listeners know, we've had this on the books and we've had to move it around because of the holidays and because of a million things. So I'm so eager to be ch finally chatting with you, Marlene. And I have so many questions for you. But before you know, I start bombarding you with questions, can you give the listeners a little intro as to who you are and like a little bit more about your work? Okay, so hi everyone. I am Marlene. I'm a part-time artist. I consider myself like Latina artist slash creator. I was born and raised in Southern California. I've lived here all my life. I studied something completely different aside from art. I'm pursuing it now in my later years. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I got. <laughs> Lovely. Perfect. I know you said you're a Latina artist and creator, and um, you were you grew up in Southern California. Can you tell me a little bit more about your? I believe you know your Mexican American culture. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how um, connected you feel to it? So my parents, they both came here from Mexico. Uh, they met here. They had me and my siblings, and I grew up in the city of Santa Ana. Uh, kind of borderline garden grove so the community is pretty much uh, a lot of immigrants um, mainly uh, Mexican immigrant families and Vietnamese immigrant families so my schools are mainly Vietnamese and like uh, mainly Mexican uh, other Latinos but that was my upbringing I felt connected because that's all I would see um, I didn't feel out of place so right so both in your home and like around in your city it felt very much the same right like you weren't sticking out like a sore thumb or anything like that yeah I know your family came to the U.S. so you are technically right like first gen 
first or second generation, depending on a lot of people define this differently. So it's kind of confusing for me. Um, first generation sometimes is considered the first people to come here. And then other people consider it the first people uh, born here. So it's a bit confusing. But what do you consider yourself? Uh, I would consider myself first gen Mexican American. I see what you're saying, right? Because your parents would be they consider themselves just Mexican, maybe now Mexican-American just because of how long they've been here. Yeah, I would say that. You said in your intro that you consider yourself a part-time artist. And I want to get into that because I think that's really interesting. But tell us a little bit more about what you went to school for, because I think that's kind of like the pre-becoming an artist, right? Like, so what did you go to school for? And tell, yeah, just tell me about that. Okay, so... I actually went to school for physics. Um, I got my uh, master's degree in physics, and my goal was to be a teacher. Either I started off with wanting to be a high school teacher because that's where I guess my love for physics came, but then eventually I was like, I think I want to do a college level. Like professor. Yeah, and so I did that, and... Um, from there, oh, I was like, I need a hobby. And then I just picked up art one day again. And now we are here. Wow. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. You you are glossing over it like it was like bam, bam, bam. But this is actually huge. You look and sound very sweet and young and and, you know, bright. But you have a master's in physics, which which, you know, the two things aren't separate like you can't if you whatever that's not what I'm trying to say but it surprises me because you look a little bit unassuming right like yeah you know I, I would never just think that of you if I looked at you which you know says a lot about society right as a whole not a lot of um women are in STEM as it is right that is a really big commitment you didn't just get a physics undergrad, you got a physics master's. Um, that is a, a long time of study. Can you tell me like why you chose that? Um, and how, how it was for you that whole experience of getting your master's in physics? Yeah. Uh, okay. So basically, okay. So growing up as a kid, I loved art. I actually thought I was going to pursue it. You know, I, I would draw a lot like every other child. And as I grew older, like around um, my high school years, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I really loved clothes. And I was like, okay, I love to draw. This will work out for me. And I actually did not have any other backup plan. That was like what I wanted to do. And my parents were supportive. Like they never pressured me to do any specific career or study anything specific. It was other family members who would question my choices. And that's like what kind of got me thinking like, oh, is this like the best path for me? Um, especially being the oldest out of four kids and kind of having that pressure to, you know, get your family somewhere and succeed, like be that representation for your family. That was like in the back of my head. But I was still applying to art colleges when it came to that time. Like, that was still my goal. Did you end up applying? I applied and I got accepted. I even remember touring one of the colleges with my parents. But I specifically remember, like, sitting down. I think it's, like, the financial office. And I think that's when, like, it hit me, like, 
oh crap, like we don't have money for this. They even told us like how much financial aid I would get and but there was still like a big portion of it that would have to come out of pocket. That's when I was like, uh, maybe this might not be the right choice for me. Like, I mean, I, I could have done it, but I also remembered I have other siblings, three younger siblings. I don't want my parents to be in debt because of me. So luckily I did have a teacher who was like, hey Marlene, you should be smart and just apply to a local college near you. And I did. And that was my backup plan, which I ended up doing. And I think like when you apply, you have to pick a major, or at least I thought you did. I think most of the time you do. I think most of the time you do. Yeah. So I think that was the case. So when I was applying to like that other university, um, I was like, okay, what am I going to pick as a major? I I'm like, I don't know what else I want to do. But at the time I knew, okay, I'm pretty good at math. And I was taking a physics class and I'm like, hey, this is pretty fun. Why don't I do physics? And me not knowing like how difficult this major actually was, I just chose physics. And since art school didn't work out because I was too expensive, I went to my backup school, which was a physics major application. And I just never changed it throughout the four or five years that I was doing my undergrad. Well, first off, I want to say I ask you these questions because I think it's super impressive that you followed through with it. And I can see that it's just like a genuine interest of yours and something that you're good at. So it's like, why would you change it? You were good at it. You were happy with it. Surely there are jobs, you know, related to your field. So it's like a good idea. Um, So I totally get that. I studied microbiology for two years and I was doing, you know, I felt the same way as you. I was doing well and I liked it. What happened to me is that I started questioning what I wanted to do once I graduated college. I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to work in a lab because I started doing internships in a lab and I hated it. So that made me start questioning everything and kind of spiraling during college and switching my major until I found something that I liked. Did you have that moment? Did you genuinely see yourself being a scientist or what were you, you know, being a professor? Cause that's another option. Like, is that how you were feeling about it or what was going on in your head? Like, you know, the last couple of years, because then you ended up getting a master's. So that's like an extra layer of commitment. So that's why I'm like, tell me more, Marlene, tell me more. I think to, to be honest, I was confused or like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of just following along the path that I thought I was supposed to I was like okay like I've been in school all these years like all I knew how to do was school so okay I was like okay I'm gonna get my bachelor's degree my family hasn't done that okay I'll do that and uh, for my bachelor's degree it took me five years to complete and so yeah so throughout those five years yeah I always had like art on the back of my head like I would always try to think like okay besides teaching like is there any creative job that I can get with this degree I could never think of it I mean being a scientist is a very creative job like being a researcher it does involve a lot of um creativity but I'm not sure if that's something that people who study physics end up doing I'm assuming so but that's just me assuming 
I guess like the work I was doing, I didn't see a lot of creativity in there. So I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's lacking at least what I was aware of at the time. Yeah. So after completing the, my bachelor's degree five years later, I still had no clue of what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, why not uh, get my master's degree? Like it's only another two years. A lot of my professors wanted me to get my PhD, but because I was confused and like not really certain if I wanted to commit like another five plus years for a PhD, I was like, is this the best decision? Like, like it'd be cool for me to go and get one, like, but it's like, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for myself or to show like my family, like those who doubted me, like, hey, look, I got this PhD since I couldn't do art. But so like towards uh, my master's years, that's when I started like questioning, like, what do I really want to do? And I was like, okay, it's only two years. I'm already doing it. Like, I'm just going to get it. And hopefully I just get a job so I can start helping my family after. So I think I spent a total of seven years in university. So at that point, I was like, I just want to make some money. Like, I'm tired of working part time and having to balance that in school. Yeah. And back in my head, I always had like art. I'm like, okay, once I get a job and I'm financially secure, I could always pick up art. So it was always like an option for later on. Wow. So much to dissect here. That makes a lot of sense. Like once you, it's really hard, I think, to transition from college to quote the real world. And especially when you have a degree that's like kind of specialized, you don't see a lot of people with that degree. Like as a, as obviously if you're in the field, yes, but like normal, let's say everyday people, it's hard to envision like what it means to graduate with that and what to do with it. And I can totally see why you were just like, let me just finish um, and then figure out how I'm going to do this. And it makes so much sense that you didn't go to a PhD program because that takes so that's like one of the biggest commitments you can do. Um, and it's not expensive if you're going into science, but it takes a lot out of you, right? Because you're a student this whole time. So you're still like living the student lifestyle for another five or six years. So I totally like get that. And I know it must have been hard to deal with the pressure of like, your professors being like, you should do that. And also your peers probably at the time also maybe going to do that and feeling like, what should I do and all that. So I totally understand. So tell me after you graduated, you didn't go and pursue art immediately or anything like dramatic like that. So tell me what you did after you graduated from your master's. I graduated. I went on vacation because I just needed a break. My boyfriend took me to Paris and Amsterdam. After that, I came back home and I was like, oh shoot, reality hit. And I'm like, okay, I no longer have a job. Because at the time while I was a student, I was working on campus. So my jobs were in the campus. And so once you graduate, like I don't have those positions anymore. And so I was like, okay, I need to get myself a full-time job so I can help with rent and stuff. At the time, a lot was going on within my family. So growing up, we pretty much grew up low income. So wherever we lived, we lived with another family. So if it was like an aunt and uncle and cousins, it was never really 
us by ourselves. At the time, there was like a lot going on, friction. And I was like, okay, we, we need to get out of here. From graduating that summer, I found a job. Was it a job in your field? So that job wasn't because I was kind of pretty much desperate for any job, especially being like like a new graduate. They're expecting like so much experience. And I'm like, OK, at this point, I just want a full time job that pays me some good money. From there, I can figure out what my next steps are. So it was a completely different field. It wasn't physics, but I was happy that I got a job. And because at the time, a lot of my peers were struggling. Uh, I was surprised because at the time I didn't know. I thought everyone had it all figured out. Everyone had a a path like ready. Or, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, a lot of my peers were struggling as well. So I guess I eventually I was like, okay, I'm just grateful to have a job, even if it doesn't have to do with physics. And eventually I did find a position uh, for teaching at a community college. So Eventually, I did use my degree, but at the time, I was like, I'll take any job. That makes total sense. I feel like right after graduation, it's like there's some people who, you know, have a job lined up months before they even graduate. And it makes it seem like that's the only way. Like if you're a loser, basically, if you don't already have a job signed before you graduate. But the reality is that so many people's paths are so different after graduation. It might take a few months. It might take, like you said, you need a ton of experience sometimes to get even to be competitive once you graduate. So I totally understand what you mean about like getting getting a full-time job and that being the goal as opposed to specifically a job in your field right after college and that kind of stuff especially when like you said you were dealing with some family drama some family trouble so that makes sense I'm really impressed by the fact that you took on so much responsibility for your family and helping your dad out because that's something that some people would argue you don't have to do right but like you wanted to do for your family and you know that takes a lot of guts I think yeah, it was it was it was tough, but I felt like oh, I got no other options. Um, it's either I go on my own or I help them out. And I mean, I couldn't just leave them. Yeah. Yeah. That is a tough place to be. So now I'm assuming you're working a job in the physics field. Currently. Currently. Oh, no, I am not. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I know that you're pretty private about what you do for work online. So if you're open to talking about it, we can talk about like where you ended up now. Is that something you want to talk about? Yeah, I could talk about it. The reason why I just, yeah, I don't talk about it online because it's just, I never know who it's going to reach. And I just, it's weird. Rather, yeah. yeah, it's weird. So I currently still work at the my first job that I got out of college. So it's actually, I work in media. Um, so for a media company, we did like a lot of data analysis. And so I do a lot of different stuff there. So yeah, so that was my first job. And while I was working that, I was seeking uh, physics related jobs. That's when I found a position to teach at a community college, but it wasn't full time. So I was doing both jobs. I was just like, I just want to use my degree. Um, I guess at the time, I, I felt like that pressure, like, okay, I went to school for this. I should use this paper. 
No, I totally understand that. And I'm sure that there's people listening who are feeling the same way, like that they have this degree that they got, that they got happily, you know, like they did it well. Um, And now they're struggling to kind of match up what they want to do. Let's say it's something creative and what's out there for them to do in terms of employment, because that's a really hard thing to like marry, I think. Yeah, it is definitely tough. But yeah, I felt that pressure of having to use this degree. And so I was always seeking out jobs. I was, I wanted to see like, okay, what else can I use this degree for? Like, what else can I do? Most of the engineering jobs I was applying to, they were asking for too much. And the pay was, they weren't even paying me what I was making at my media job, which didn't even require a physics degree. So that's how like, I kind of was like, comparing them. So eventually, when I got the teaching position, um, I did that for like two years. Then COVID happened. Before COVID, like the teaching environment was already kind of chaotic. Remote learning and having to teach, it was just way too much for me. And I just couldn't handle it. So then you went to just your your media job? Yes. And it, it took me a while to like kind of just tell myself, okay, you can just do one. It's okay. You don't have to. And you can let it go because it's not that you're just doing one. It's that you are letting go of physics. I think that's what's more mental, right? Yeah. And I think that was the hardest part for me to admit. I I didn't have like anyone pressure me that way, but I guess just internally, like I was pressuring myself. Yeah. It sounds like you have high standards for yourself. So it, it, it is hard to let go of something that you worked towards because that's what it seems like at the time, like you're letting it go. But it really you're not. You were just doing, you know, you found another way to. Even though you're not, say, using your physics degree in your day job, all of your experience got to the got you to that job still. You know what I mean? And that's still perfectly fine, you know? Yeah, a lot of besides the actual concepts and theories like it could Just my work ethic, I feel like that could be applied to anything that I do. And seeing that now, like, I'm like, okay, like, it didn't go to waste. Like, it wasn't a waste of seven years. And and if I change my mind, I can always teach again if I wanted to. Yeah. And it's also like, it could have been anything. It could have been any uh, major. And the same thing can happen. You're not the first person to get a degree and then like not do the exact path that you're supposed to not go get a PhD or not, you know, be a professor of physics from day one. Like, you know, this is this is common. Um, so maybe that can alleviate some of that pressure on yourself, because um, I, I can sense it in you that you still feel this like pressure. I know in the intro, you were, you referred to yourself as a part time artist because you do this You have a full-time job, so you're doing this kind of on the side. But I find this term fascinating because what does that mean, really? You know, like you're a full-time artist as a human being. Like you as a human are an artist all the time, no matter if you're doing it for an hour or all day, like you are still an artist. Um, So can you tell me about why you like like this, this title, because I feel like ever since I've seen you use it, I've seen other people start using it. So I'm like, 
Tell me how this came to be, this label of part-time artist. Quick reminder that you can listen or watch an extra long version of this conversation with Marlene by joining the Draws in Spanish Patreon. On the Patreon, I share monthly personal podcast episodes where I share more about my own art career, as well as extended podcast episodes of all the episodes in season two. Plus, you'll get that amazing feeling that comes with knowing you're supporting the show. So head to patreon.com slash draws in Spanish to become a Patreon and check out all the extra Patreon perks. Thanks again. Now let's get back into the show. Yeah, so at first, yeah, I would just consider myself like a hobbyist when I was first starting out with art again. I picked it up on the side while I was doing my jobs, uh, while I was teaching at the college level when I was bouncing my nine to five. And so what do you mean by picked it up on the side? Were you drawing on the side? Where, what were you doing that that was artistic? I started watercolor. And so I did this when I was w still working because I was like, I need to do something. Um, I need something creative. And I was like, okay, I told myself, like, once I graduated school and I was making money, like, and if I had time, I could do art again. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna learn how to watercolor because I forgot what I saw. I think I came across like a video or something and I'm like, oh, like I could do that. And I bought myself like a little tiny set and I just started to paint. And so I did this on the side while balancing these two jobs. And um, once lockdown hit and we couldn't do anything, I had more time to paint since I wasn't commuting to work and stuff. It was always a side thing. And I, at first, like, I never even considered myself like, oh, I'm an artist until like later on. I was like, okay, this could actually be a thing. People are looking up to me. They want to buy my art. I guess I'm an artist now. And eventually, I think what got me to use this part-time artist term is since I don't do it full-time, it's not my full-time job, it does not pay my bills, and a lot of people assume that this is the only thing I do since that's all I post on social media, I was like, hey, okay, I should start using this part-time artist term. People will understand, like, she's not only just doing art, like, she still has to work to pay her bills. Like, yeah, it looks, her content looks like aesthetic or it looks like, she has all this free time to make art. Like, I wish I was there. I wish I could do that. And sometimes, yeah, the comments would be kind of rude. Like, just assume like, oh, she's privileged. She she could not work and just do this. When I started to use a part-time artist and people started to realize like, oh, wow, she's balancing other stuff. I felt like it kind of helped paint a better picture of what I do. Yeah, like, so this term came out of necessity to be more transparent, to be more clear about where you were in the trajectory of your artistic career. Exactly. Now that makes a lot more sense because to me in my head, I'm like, Marlene, no matter if you do this for one hour or you do this all freaking day, you're an artist, right? You don't technically need to specify that you have a day job. But you're saying this is beneficial just to be more clear with your audience. Exactly. Yeah. And that way, like, because I have been sharing, like, my monthly income as an artist. And so 
those numbers kind of reflect, okay, she's not doing this full time. And so I just think it helps. Do you feel like the definition of being an artist is equated to how much income you're making? No, I guess, I guess for me, like when I just started picking it up and I was just learning because at the time, like I had never watercolored before and it had been years since I did art. So I went to school for seven years. I wasn't doing art in between those seven years because my physics degree took a lot out of me and I, yeah, I wasn't um, balancing art at the time, which sometimes I wish I would have. So because I pretty much started doing art again seven years later and I picked up a medium that I never used. So to me, it felt like, oh, I'm just doing this as a hobby. Like, I don't think I'm an artist anymore. Uh, I knew I'm artistic and have the skills, but I guess because it was new to me, I just didn't see myself as an artist yet. But do you see yourself as one now? Now I do. I think it started to shift. Like once I realized like, okay, I love this. I'm doing it more than just a hobby. And I guess it was just always in me and I just ignored it. And so you were too busy. Yeah, I was too busy. You were too busy. I wouldn't even say that you ignored it. You were just too busy with something else. So I, I don't, I feel like when you say ignored it, it sounds like you chose to do that, but I feel like it wasn't so much your choice as to like where you were at that time in your life, physics was more of a priority. Yeah, you're right. I think that's not a not, not a good word. But I guess I, since I let it go at the time, uh, I just forgot that it was in me. And so I guess all this time I was an artist, but I was just not using it. Using it. Yeah, I just want I don't want you to be so hard on yourself. I'm like, no, that sounds like like negative. Let's not make it negative here. Okay. So and like you you mentioned, and I have a question here, you share a lot of reels about the income that you make per month off of your work. So why are you a fan of, of doing those kinds of reels? Because I personally would never. So that's why I'm like, what's making you do these? I started seeing, what did I see? I think I came across maybe like a YouTube video where people were talking about their income. And I was like, I never see this on Instagram and stuff or like, I would always see like for full-time artists or creators, like what they make. But I was just like, okay, what's realistic for someone like me who is not like fully doing it as like their full-time job. And so I was inspired and I'm like, okay, maybe I should share this. Cause also like at the time I had, I think 25,000 followers, which is kind of a lot and people see that and it's like whoa she has a lot of followers she's probably making so much money and but that wasn't the case I was I was struggling to get sales on my Etsy shop for my art and just people had this assumption like oh she has a lot of followers she's living good um making money off art she's living the dream and which was not the case and so I think that's what also ties in the part-time artist name and then, so I just started sharing more, I guess, about me, um, except the years before I would only solely post art, static photos, that's it. Maybe I'll write stuff in the caption, but I didn't really um, share too much about me or what I did or what I studied. I think because at the time, since I was a professor, I did have a couple students who found me and I was like, oh no, I can't have... Um, people who know me in real life find me because I was also nervous. I was like, 
I was nervous for people to find out that, oh, shoot, she's trying to do art now. Um, so I was just trying to keep it low key, low key. I wait, am I correct? Or is your handle not Marlene Vega? Yeah, it is. Right. I, w- I was just going to check. But is that because you were trying to put them off even further? To, like, you know, uh, get them off your off your scent on social media? No, I think I just changed it because uh, I wanted my name Marlene, but all the Marlene handles are taken. So I'm like, oh, this this one's available. <laughs> But you can see what I mean, right? Because you, your handle is not Marlene Vega and you're trying to make sure students don't find you. Um, not the best disguise, but yeah. So because like since I was a professor, they could easily search me up and they would find everything. So yeah, so all this time I was just trying to keep it low key. So I wasn't sharing that much. But like eventually once Reels started getting more popular and like we were kind of have to post Reels now if we want to grow and keep up so yeah I started sharing more of my income and that way people get a better picture like hey yeah she has a lot of followers but doesn't necessarily mean that she's making money or making like a a full living off of it right because you are making money but it's not necessarily like enough to only do that especially if you have other responsibilities I love that you make those reels I feel like ever since I saw you start making them I start and now I see other people making them. And I think it's really cool to see people be more transparent. I can tell that from you, it comes from a place of like honesty of wanting to be honest with your followers. A lot of people think that followers equal success, equal income, but it's not the case. Like just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean that they're buying your stuff. And it doesn't mean that you're able to kind of monetize them in any way. So I love that you're kind of making that clear for people. Do you ever see yourself going full time with your online shop and with your art career? Is that something that you're chasing or how do, or do you feel like you're in a good place and you want to keep it part time? Um, I guess eventually down the line, it would be kind of cool, but definitely it'll depend like just how secure I am financially and if I feel like I can take that step. But for now, like I'm content with just balancing both of them, um, keeping like my job and having a stable income only because I know like some people are depending on me because I still live with my family and I help out with like rent and stuff. So if I didn't have to help out anyone and and if I just moved to my boyfriend's house and lived rent free like probably I would try but for now like I'm okay with balancing everything got it that's smart so I like that you're um being smart about it because some people do jump the gun too early and then go back to getting a full-time job I mean what what I'm trying to say is everyone has their own path and what works for you right now might not work for you down the line. Um, and that can always change. But I like that um, you're being really realistic. And I appreciate that. And I know a lot of people who listen to this show, sometimes they tell me that the people that I'm interviewing are too far ahead, or it feels impossible for them to ever achieve anything that they've achieved. And I like how you are being very realistic and open. And I know a lot of people will find a lot to relate to with your story. So thank you for sharing. I do personally feel like you could go full time whenever you want, but I like that you're being cautious. And I think that's normal. 
anyway, that's just me talking to you. It's not part of the interview. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying don't, don't do it. I don't think you could do it. I totally think you could do it. I like that you're being realistic. I think that's normal. And I think a lot of people are like that to them resonates more than being like, I'm leaving and I'm doing it. And you know, that sounds to a lot of people really impossible. Yeah. Cause I mean, I do see like, you know, you, you see those videos like, Oh, I quit my full-time job to pursue this, which is like really cool and you're happy for them, but it's like, how, how do they do it? And yeah, I don't want to like jump the gun too quickly. And then like months go by and like, I kind of have to backtrack. And since I guess just by like my schooling journey, like I stuck to physics and I never changed my mind. So I guess just my personality, I don't want to have to go back and have to find like a job again and balance both. So yeah, I'd rather just take it slow. And And I think that's good though, because what we see online is people taking it fast. Like you don't see the years that they put in. You just see, I quit my day job and now I'm doing this. You don't see the in between, even if they might have been working towards that for five years. That's not what the title of the video is. It's, it's not the title of the video is not. I worked at this for five years and finally have the guts to quit my day job. No, it's like it always seems very like out of nowhere and very um, dramatic. And I think that you being open about playing it safe makes total sense. Marlene, especially because you're the eldest daughter, especially because you're first generation, like that is totally normal and natural. And I, I really like, you know, that you're talking about it. Another reason I wanted to talk about this is because you recently posted, I have it in my notes somewhere, but now I'm not going to find it. You recently turned 30 and that you were, you made a whole post about dealing with that sensation of feeling behind. Do you still feel that way? Where are you at with that now? Like with that feeling? That feeling kind of came to me, I think it was 2021. Because I, I remember doing like this little comic, some ghost, and I illustrated it and pretty much said like, accomplished all of this, but I still don't know what to do with my life. And I think at the time I was, I was 28. And so like, I was confused. And I think at the time I was only doing art for like a little over a year. So that's when I was like questioning, can art be a full-time thing? What should I do? I felt really lost and kind of behind because I didn't know what I was doing. And so as the year went on and I let go of the teaching position and I just kept my nine to five job and started putting more of my energy into art, I told myself like, okay, I'm just gonna try this art thing on the side and see if it goes anywhere and if it does it's like a sign for me to pursue it even further the way I felt started changing slowly I pretty much stopped looking at what my peers were doing the people who I graduated with it's not like I cut them out but I was just not focusing on other people anymore or I was just looking at what I was doing and from then on I stopped comparing where I was at in life and feeling like I was behind. And so once I turned 30 this past December, I was like, "Mm, should I make a post or not? I was a bit nervous at first because just in general, I get nervous like oversharing because at the time, like my my account was growing and it was kind of out of the blue. 
not out of the blue girl you were posting consistently you were doing the right things i want you to take more credit for like where you've gotten yourself i mean okay so okay it wasn't out of the blue but (laughs) that's just me berating you (laughs) sorry (laughs) well okay so we already know like instagram sucks and the algorithms all over the place so uh, i already got used to um like me posting and instagram wouldn't really show my stuff to anyone and my account was stuck at 25,000 followers for over a year so at that point i just got used to it but um so to me, when my account kind of blew up this past couple of months, um, I got kind of nervous. And so, yeah, so when it came to sharing that post, I was like, I already knew people are going to comment about my age because I get that a lot. And I was like, should I should I share this? I'm like, I'm just going to share it. And I'm glad I did because a lot of friends, old friends and people that I grew up with reached out and said they felt the same way that they felt kind of like lost or they wished that they would have like taken things slower in their 20s and kind of not put too much pressure on them to just keep going and like do the next thing that's expected of us. So in the end, I was kind of glad that I made it because I wouldn't have known people felt the same way. Yeah, I feel like it always feels like I feel like everyone feels like everything is only happening to that to them because we live like in our own minds. <laughs> like it's supernatural to feel that way, but it is like a very shared experience. And I'll tell you, I know that I have listeners who feel like they're behind. And I think it's really refreshing to hear someone talk about it openly. I will say that though you may feel behind in one area, Marlene, like you're doing great in a million other areas. Like, you know, like I feel like everyone has this thing where they compare. You can always compare yourself to someone else and be like, I'm behind. You said like that people are are always surprised that you're 30. I will say I was surprised. Not that I was like, this couldn't be like, you know, I, it can make, I'm like, yeah, she could be 30. That's totally valid. Just because like most of the stuff that you are putting out there felt is like pretty juvenile, you know, like it has like a, like a young feel to it. It kind of can seem like, like you're 20, you know, and you also like you have amazing genes or something because you look super glowy and young and it doesn't seem like you were stressing and staying up late getting a master. So, you know, it surprised me, but it also can easily make sense too. No, yeah, I, I realized like it's probably what I was sharing. I guess it doesn't help the type of art I make, and and I think because like I yeah I don't have kids and like that stuff. I don't live on my own. I don't talk about that stuff. That's what I normally see. Like people, I guess yeah, maybe it was like unclear. It was like unclear. So you can assume that you're younger. Um, but I don't think it's like a bad thing that you're 30 and doing it now. Like, I think that is courageous, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like I was embarrassed of my age. Um, um, if anything, yeah, I was like proud. But I think also because since I was just starting out and figuring out this art thing, um, it wasn't something that I just wanted to throw out there. Cause, I mean, a lot of people throw their age like yeah I'm this and doing this but typically it's always like younger kids like I'm 21 and I'm following this path oh yeah it's like 
uh, a day in the life of a 21 year old in New York. And you're like, okay, <laughs> great. That's not my video. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to do like, Oh, the life of a 30 year old living with their parents. Like, I don't think I want to share <laughs> I think that it would right be now. A hit video. It would be a hit video, but I get what you mean. It's like, it is taboo. Yeah. Maybe, right? Because you know that it's uncommon for people your age to live at home, but you have a special set of circumstances that makes it like totally normal for you to live at home. And I think it's just like these external pressures. Um, like we all feel some sort of pressure. Yeah. Can't avoid it. <laughs> no, it cannot be avoided. And that's why I like to talk about these things on the podcast so that other people can be like, oh yeah, it's not just in my head. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about too is that, and you mentioned it a little bit too when we were talking, is like you didn't want people to think that now you were trying this illustration thing. Like maybe you were a little embarrassed that you were trying. Um, and then I, I know you posted in another Instagram post that like you feel kind of silly recording and posting about your artwork um, and kind of creating content, like kind of the, that sensation of feeling silly about it. Can you tell me how you got over this feeling? Because despite this feeling, you're posting a lot, you're sharing your work a lot, you're putting yourself out there. So how did you overcome that? Or how do you deal with that? Okay, so when I started posting on Instagram, like I, I mentioned, it was only my art. So literally, I just take a picture of the art piece. And that was it. And at the time, like, I was making art, like, every day when I could after work. And eventually, that's when I realized, like, this is not sustainable. I can't make something new every day to have something to post. Yeah, you can't make and, a new painting every day to post. That's crazy. And, yeah, and at the time, like, reels wasn't big yet. So, like, I think I would record, like, some process videos. But, like, that was to the extent all people saw were my hands. And at the time, because I was teaching, I just wanted to keep my account low key, just in case anyone like did come across it. Like if students found me, like all they would know is, okay, she makes art. Like they don't know anything else about my life. And I guess I was just nervous for people to know more about me, especially like if I worked with them. And I'm just like, a. why do you think that is? I guess I'm just a really shy person. <laughs> I get it with your students because it's like weird for your students to know you outside of being a teacher, but like with your, let's say with your physics peers or your family, like, is that where that feeling was still coming up? So like I started posting on like my personal account. So I had friends from school follow me on there. And um, so, I mean, I wasn't nervous sharing my art because I don't think I would see them in person. <laughs> anytime soon and I think I'm just I'm just a really shy person I'm really introverted it may not seem like it sometimes but like I am and so for that reason I just just like to keep it low-key so like in the office when with my coworkers, I never talked about like oh yeah I do this on the side I wouldn't even I don't think we even knew maybe my boss did because I let her know but they didn't know like I had a physics degree or I was teaching on the side. Like, I just, I guess I just don't like to share too much if I don't have to, which is funny because now I'm like, now I'm posting so much. Yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, how did you fight that feeling? Because I have a lot of people who, or I know a lot of people who are like, I, 
I'm an introvert. I want to put my work out there because I want to be a successful artist or a successful photographer or whatever. Um, but I don't know how to put myself out there because I feel so shy about it or some people feel cringy about it. They feel like embarrassed. I don't think that's where what you're saying, how you felt. You just felt like you didn't want to put yourself out there that much because it felt like like maybe you weren't a fan of the attention. So how did you fight that? So I think, okay, I think it was okay, both. Maybe I was kind of embarrassed, um, but I also didn't want too much attention or people asking me too much about what I'm trying to do. So yeah, so I kept it like kind of low key, just at most people saw my hands and they knew what I looked like because my profile picture, but that was like to the extent of it. And once I stopped teaching and I knew like, okay, I wasn't going to be dealing with new students every semester. It made it a little bit easier to share more about me because I wouldn't feel like embarrassed. Like, oh, if they Google me, they're going to find my YouTube channel, um, my TikTok account, um, my Instagram. And so it made it a little easier to share more. And since then, I think I started like filming more of myself. I wouldn't talk to the camera because I still get nervous doing that. But like, I'll just film myself doing a task or like show my side profile or like just show who I am. That way people could connect like a face to all the work that's being pumped out. And then it helped a lot because at the time when I realized like, okay, I can't paint every day. I need to figure out what else to post when I don't have art. And um, because I did get burnt out and I took a break because I just couldn't create uh, enough um, art to post and keep up anymore. And eventually that's when I, I started recycling posts. And once I got more into a rhythm of recording myself and whatever task I was doing, I learned how to reuse those clips to create new content. And so now I feel like I'm at a place where I'm still nervous um, talking to the camera, but I'm a little better at recording myself just doing something. And if people see my reels, like I don't do a lot of voiceovers either because just recording a voiceover makes me really nervous. But that's how I kind of got over it. I don't know if that helps. Now, one more thing. I know we're almost out of time here, but I wanted to ask you, you started wholesaling your products recently. So how do you feel about wholesaling? What are the pros and cons of wholesaling um, your illustrated products? Oh, yeah. So I started this past year and it all started because someone actually reached out to me because they were interested in buying my stuff in bulk. And at the time, like I... I didn't know anything. I was not prepared for that email, but I was excited because, I mean, I would hear um, other artists talk about them wholesaling their artwork, their uh, products. And so I kind of had an idea, but I quickly jumped onto like YouTube and Google and figured out what I needed to reply to their email. I I put up like this, uh, I made a whole catalog with the products that I did have available and um, I could make and sell. And so I replied to them. I did all the work and they kind of ghosted me and they never got back <gasps> to me. Yeah. I never got like, Oh my oh, gosh. I never got like, not even like, Oh, thank you. Um, like 
you know, we'll see. Maybe next time, maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So like after I put in all that work and I just got no reply, months went by and I continued to just work on my shop update for that year, whatever month that was. And once my stuff was like available to purchase, I had learned from the previous year, like, okay, don't like expect too many orders. Like I just didn't want to disappoint myself. And I was like, it's okay. If no one buys anything, that's fine. That just means I have more products so I can work towards wholesaling my stuff. And so that's when like I learned about FAIR, which is like an online platform. It's kind of like Etsy, but for wholesale. So I applied to that. Uh, it also takes like kind of a few months to even get your application reviewed. So that takes some time because I think they need to make sure that you're not just like drop shipping items that you're not making yourself. That was like in the works. I applied. I just and then let it be. And then one day, another um, small business emailed me asking if I was open to wholesaling with them. And because I had done all the work already, like months prior of putting together a catalog, I was able to easily reply. And they were my first order. And so they bought like a bunch of pins and I sent it to them. And that was like my first wholesaling experience. And from there, it was kind of quiet. Eventually, I heard back from FAIR. They accepted my application. So I now have like my shop on there. And it wasn't till like months later. So I think this was like mm, when I applied, like in the, it was in the summer of last year. And it wasn't until November where I started getting orders from that platform. It's, it was probably because like the holidays and stuff, but it took some time. And like, while well, I was like balancing my shop and trying to market that, I just had this like in the back and eventually I got orders. And from the past like a month or two, I've been getting kind of consistent orders, which is kind of cool. And yeah, so applying to FAIR helped a lot. So if anyone wants to do that, like I definitely recommend it. It just takes like several months to get accepted. And from there, like don't expect to get orders right away. It's kind of like if they find you cool or like, or if you promote that you're on FAIR, like if people follow you, other small businesses follow you and they see you're on there, like maybe you'll get um, orders that way. But just I guess don't expect sales right away because it, it happened slowly for me. But it is another like, great source of income for me now. It kind of like makes it up for like when my shop is closed or I'm not promoting it as much. So it kind of helps to balance it out a little bit. Nice, because usually the wholesale orders are larger quantities, right? So and it goes to one buyer. So it's a little bit more simple than let's say, a lot of orders from a lot of different people. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot easier packing-wise, just it's one package. Um, you don't have to deal with a lot of customers and customer, customer service. service. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, so that's been pretty nice. And lately, like, all the businesses that have bought for me um, have been, like, really cool to work with. Like, it's, like, no hassle, nothing. I haven't had a problem yet. And I guess it's just cool to see that my stuff is in physical shops 
like not just my Etsy shop, like someone can walk into a business and see my stuff in person. So that's really cool. That is so exciting. I'm so glad that's working out for you. Um, and I feel like you're such an inspiration, you know, as like just someone who goes ahead and jumps right in, right? Like you didn't know about wholesaling and you just figured it out and went for it. Uh, there are a lot of people who get scared and, and instead of rising up to the challenge, they go hide away and never, <laughs> never try again. And I think that, you know, it's really refreshing to hear that you're just kind of putting yourself out there taking what comes, going for it. Um, and even if you consider yourself a part-time artist, like you're still doing so much for your work, you know, you're still like really crushing it. And I just want to, you know, thank you for being here. But last, these are quick ones. I have three quick questions for you. So what is your favorite Mexican saying or word? I guess the only thing I'm going to think of right now, I, I think it's because I made a sticker of it. <laughs> it's just the phrase like, I comida en la casa, and it's just funny That's because right. I love food and I'm I'm always eating out. I don't like to cook. I hate cooking, and it's just yeah, I really like that phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a reminder, but also you're gonna go eat out anyway. What's your favorite Mexican food? Ooh, this one's a tough one. You make a lot of drawings about different foods and stuff, so I know this is a, a hard question for you. I think my favorite might be. The chicken enchiladas with the green sauce. Mmm, I love a green sauce. Okay, and then is there anything culturally, like Mexican culture, Mexican-American culture, that you wish was more normal, like in all of the U.S., like in, in American culture? It's okay to live with your family. Doesn't matter how old you are. Um, it's okay. Like You don't have to be living on your own. Um, have your own apartment. Have your own house. That I wish was more accepted. normalizing that. Yeah, normalized. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I also think like you are helping your family out. You're helping your family out, and your family is helping you out. Like it's a mutual benefit. Marlene, la one one more time. Thank you so much. I'm gonna tell everyone obviously to go check out your shop. I know you're always having shop updates and updating new products, so I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. But thank you so much um, for your time. And for being so open and honest with me about your entire career. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I've loved your podcast ever since I found it. And I just appreciate all the work that you do because you've connected me with a lot of other Latin like creators. And it's just really nice to see that there's more people out there and they're all on different journeys. So thank you, Fabula. That was such an amazing and refreshing conversation. Thanks for listening to me chat with Marlene Vega. Be sure to check out her Instagram at notmarlenevega and her online shop at marlenevegastudio.com. Everything will be linked in the show notes, so go check out her work. Before you go, remember to hit subscribe or share this episode with a friend. Those are two things you can do to support the show for free. Now, if you want to listen to a personal podcast from me about what I'm up to in my career, or listen to an extended episode of the show, go ahead and check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash draws in Spanish. Lastly, remember to join the Discord if you want to connect with other listeners. I'll see you over there. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Nos vemos el próximo martes, everyone. Goodbye.